0: welcome to my world i'm your host kevin rutherford it is monday june 19th we are here live it is a free for all kind of day anything goes today we're here on the app all morning or as long as you've got questions we're going to open the phone lines right now so go ahead and start dialing 855-950-3835 we've got no theme today we have no guest. really all about you and whatever's on your mind. So jump in and join us. A couple things I've been focusing on lately. Um, One weird thing, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I just noticed a couple other things. We've been fighting a lot with technology lately, which is kind of expected because we're testing a lot of new things and trying things and some things are going to work and some aren't. And I want to do as much testing as I can and figure out the best way to do this. But I've also been watching a lot of what's going on with like the earth and the sun. We've had a lot of unusual activity in the sun over the last couple of months. The um, North Pole has been wandering all over the place and we're getting some weird energy readings from the earth all of a sudden, like things we've never seen before. So just some weird stuff going on and that can have an impact on communications and technology. Uh, most of my problems are not caused by the earth and the sun, but it's just kind of odd that uh, that's going on as well. We also had a big uh, cyber attack uh, worldwide. Lots of governments were hit. Uh, some of the bigger sites were down for a while. Just something I'm keeping an eye on. Um, the other thing I've been working on, and we've got some calls coming in, so I'm going to get to them here. Uh it's time to start watching for opportunities. We're we're testing a bottom in both the economy and in the trucking market and rates. Usually when you get to a bottom, it's never clear. Many times you'll actually start to bounce up off that bottom and it looks like a rally. Sometimes we call that a dead cat bounce. You get one big bounce and then it kind of stops, settles on the bottom again. It looks like most of the patterns we're seeing is an economy that is searching for the bottom. Once we find it, then the question is, how long is it going to last? On average, they're about 18 months. This one may be longer because the run-up was significantly longer than normal. A lot of weird stuff going on with government spending. They still wanna throw a gazillion dollars at all this crazy green technology. That's going to be a problem. So it's hard to say, but things have changed. You know, when we were at the top and I kept saying, at some point, this is gonna come crashing down, the party's going to be over. I think it's pretty clear the party's over. So this is the time that I shift strategies. You know, when you're at the top, the best thing to do is just get out there and make money. Make hay when the sun shines. Now that we're at the bottom, it's time to start looking for opportunities and getting prepared. What is it that you want to see happen at the bottom? For example, for me, it's we're not really making any significant changes to our business because of this. It's, it's staying the same, we're fine. What I am looking at those personal finance and real estate, uh, we've been saving cash, waiting for some opportunities because the last four or five years were not really good buying opportunities in real estate. Prices were constantly going up. Now I expect that they'll come down. So they're not down yet. I'm not ready to buy anything but I'm spending a lot of time researching real estate, watching prices so I understand what the pattern is. If you're thinking about becoming an owner operator, you should be watching the patterns. If you're thinking about getting your own authority, you should be paying attention. It's not time to move yet, but it's time to start planning to move. I started a series on social media about the six mistakes to avoid when becoming an owner operator. Most people are surprised by them. It's not the typical stuff you would read, so uh, I'll be continuing on that. I think I posted mistake number four today, Uh, so I may come back to that today, but the calls are starting to pile up. Jump in and join us, 855-950-3835. We're going to get started in Florida today. Tony, welcome. Morning, Kevin. How are you? Good. What's on your mind today?
1: Well, uh, before I get started with my um, direct freight uh, opportunity here that everybody's dying to hear about, this uh, direct drive and underspeed and overspeed that everybody is talking about. Um, I managed to catch the replay of, of Friday. I was in NASDAQ, obviously, so but Hold I on, hold, hold that, on a second.
0: Were... I, I just want to correct something. We're not talking about underspeed or overspeed. Those could be interpreted very differently. We're talking about... Under drive or overdrive. So we're talking about gearing that is either under direct, meaning it's a torque multiplier, where it's over direct, meaning it's a torque divider. But we're not really talking about speed here.
1: Correct. Uh, thank you for that. Well, then Joel needs to quit saying uh, under under speed, or maybe I heard it wrong. The question is, do I need to be driving this thing in twelfth? Because it sounded like you know probably thirteenth is my overdrive in this uh, in this pack car, of course. But it, like, is the operating range, like would I do better in the 12th, which is probably direct? And so the answer to this question it itself, is,
0: is, not, is not simple. No, it won't do it itself. The auto shifts aren't that smart yet. They're getting there with the smart cruise systems that use GPS, but we're not there yet. So, no, it doesn't know itself, and there's no simple answer to this. When you ask that question, should I be, then we have to go through the truck, the gears, the tires, the freight, the speed, the terrain, everything. This is a very dynamic situation. That's why what what we were talking about, ideally today, we are able to spec trucks that can run in three different top gears, one underdrive, one direct drive, one overdrive. That's a lot of flexibility. It's been almost impossible for us to spec trucks like that before. One, because of the engine architecture, two, because we didn't have the transmissions available that we needed. So now we have lots of options, but more options also means more complication. When do you run on these gears? So we can talk about in general, and then we can get more specific by saying, do you have an instant read fuel mileage gauge in your truck somewhere, either a factory in the dash or the scan gauge KR. Well, the truck has
1: one, um, you know, but it's not going to be that accurate. Well, how do you, wait, so wait, 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 is, wait, wait, sorry, wait. Is, wait is stop right there. Stop,
0: stop, stop. Because I have to correct something. Things change all the time we tried not to get so locked into things here i was the guy forever saying don't pay attention to that stupid gauge on your dash don't pay attention to the scan gauge except for comparison and training yourself i don't care if it's accurate or not it'll teach us when we're getting better fuel economy even if that number isn't completely accurate now though they have become much more accurate and we can adjust them So we can track our fuel mileage on paper, or even better with our app fuel gauges, get a real number, and then we can go in and adjust the dash, and these things are becoming far more accurate. Joel went over his numbers the other day, and his was so accurate, I was shocked, really shocked. So things change, technology changes, these gauges are accurate now, but they've always been accurate enough to teach us something. And that's what i'm getting to on this so many variables so many different options we can talk about different driving strategies but your best tool to learn this is experiment and watch that gauge what works best if you're on a level and you're cruising at 70 and you're in top gear which is a single a one-step overdrive well drop it into direct and watch what happens Your RPM will come up. What happens to the fuel mileage right then? That's the best tool imaginable. I can't possibly try to teach you how to, you know, drive in every situation, but that's really what we're talking about.
1: Direct is going to be about 2,500 RPM on that one, though, because I'm at uh, probably...
0: So all I'm telling you, then... So, in
1: overdrive.
0: Yeah, so then, obviously, we wouldn't do that in your case. But the very next caller who calls me may be the exact opposite. He may be struggling along at 950 in top gear. And he needs to be in overdrive. So what I'm saying is there is no one answer to this.
1: All right, and I lied about the car. It actually has a pretty decent gauge here. It says the average, but then there's this meter where the average is at the top and then it teeters above and below perfect instantaneously as you press the gas. I really like that thing. Yes. Um, and I keep it on there. I I know I'm not going to, I'm going to get pissed for gas mileage when I press the gas. So I don't even really need to look at it, but I lied. They do have a pretty decent gauge in this 15 pack car. So if I'm going 60 though, I technically might have three gears I could use at 60 because it's only going to be, uh, that would be like, like 1,400 in direct and like uh, what, 1,100 or 1,130 in overdrive. So that's what I'm asking now. So I'll look at, at it. I at, will
0: look at, at that. I, you know, when you give me a specific scenario, I can usually give you the correct answer. When you say, where should I drive this? Well, it's going to be all over the place, so that's too hard to answer. If you're doing sixty and yep. your choice is 11 something or 14 something, then I'm going to tell you most of the time you're gonna be far better off at 11 for fuel economy. What would be what would be a reason not to? Well, sometimes at that point, depending and, and this engine may be one, at 1100 with the stiff headwind, that thing may fall flat. It may not run well at that. And another truck may run just fine there. Everybody's torque curves are different. There's, there's just so many variables. But we can make some general statements. The lower we can keep the RPM without the truck struggling, the better fuel economy we're probably going to get.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought. And most of the uh, all the old school truck drivers are going to say that you want to keep the RPM low. But I'm following this new uh, theology that you guys are saying where that's not necessarily the case. Boost pressure. And with um, getting a Volvo where you can go 70 miles an hour with, you know, and all of the RPMs in those three gears are going to be pretty, pretty equal. There's more to look at. And that's the way to go is, is to have, you know, be able to go really fast, not just 60 miles an hour and split the gears, but higher speeds, which is what we need and still have, you know, RPMs low or high or flat.
0: Now, let, let's and, be
1: oh, yes, let, please. Let's I need be clear about now. something.
0: Let's be clear about something. We can now spec these trucks to run from sometimes 55 fuel efficiently all the way up to about 75 fuel efficiently. It's a big range that that's we weren't able to do that before, but here's what we have to remember. You will never, ever get better fuel economy at 70 than you do at 60 or 55 or 65. It doesn't work that way. So when we say we can get good fuel economy at 70, what we're talking about is we just geared this thing right so if we have to drive 70, we can get better fuel economy than we used to. But we're not saying you get better fuel economy at 70 than at 60. That's, that's, it's not possible, it's physics. What we're saying now is we've spec'd a truck that will get the maximum fuel mileage you're going to get at about 55, but we can go up to 70 or 70 plus and still do well, still do okay. Not the best we're going to get though. I don't want anybody, I hear a lot of people start to get confused about that. Yeah. And my my stubborn
1: way of thinking is always going to be that Well, with hours of service, you've got to try and maintain the speed limit as many times as you can. No, you should
0: stop thinking uh, that way. Stop stop thinking that way. Stop thinking that way. Fuel mileage is not a uh, game. It's your single biggest expense. It's not a game. This is a business strategy that makes total sense. It's your single biggest expense. So there, is, there should not be this attitude of, I should always try to drive the speed limiter faster. That, no, it's the opposite. You should always be thinking about what speed really makes sense. Very seldom do I see a need to drive fa- the speed limiter faster. I drive significant below the speed limit in the West.
1: Well, not, I'm not going to say anything like you're morally bankrupt or anything like that over this. By the way, I agree with those people, but I don't like the way they're they're talking. So there is a, a conscientious way of arguing. Um, but here, yeah, it, um, I do disagree. But I'm open and I'm listening. I, I just happen to think that my time so, is valuable.
0: So, well, so we can prove this if you want, if you're willing. I'm on the road. It's not even that hard. Take a month and do what you've been doing. Whatever speed you feel like driving with the idea that the faster I drive, the more money I'm going to make. That's kind of what you're telling me. Do that for a month and then do what I said for a month. Pick a really slow speed and drive. And then let's look at your net revenue at the end of the time frame. Your gross will be higher. That's a really... No doubt, but your growth, here's the other thing you have to remember. Every time we save a dollar in fuel or any expense, that dollar goes straight to our pocket. All of it, 100%. When we increase revenue by a dollar, 40 cents goes to your pocket. People forget about that. uh, They do not understand how to do this equation.
1: before you cut me off, I, uh, I've agreed to do it your way. I, we've been through this. I've said that, um, theoretically I disagree with it, but I'm doing it anyway. I drove this truck up here 60 miles an hour and I'm not going an ounce faster. Speed limit is 70 because I trust, uh, and I like going to the fuel pump and not paying as much as I was. I really, really, um, not get off on that, but, but it feels good. You're right. So I'm trusting it. I, I just don't want to, and I don't like driving fast because someone's always going to be racing you anyway, no matter how fast well, it, you go, it is, it's sa- it, not safer, but it's more comfortable to do like you know, they say and when, go slower. So I'm, I don't want to do the fast anymore.
0: Okay, good. And, and here's the other reason to do the numbers, because again, I'm not saying you should always drive 55 or 57. I did. I chose to just do it all the time. It was easier. And it worked really well for me. I was on scheduled runs that didn't matter anyway. So it made total sense for me to drive that way. If I were doing what Joel's doing today, out running around, running all kinds of freight, trying to prove fuel economy in all kinds of situations, I, I wouldn't be driving that one set speed. I would base my speed on the conditions, the rate of the load, the cost of fuel, those things change dynamically every day. Now, would I ever exceed 70? Probably not. At 70, would, I, my speed range would probably be 55 to 70, and I would spend most of that time at 60 or under. But would there be times I would run 70? Yeah, if I had the truck spec to do it, and it made sense, the rate was good, I knew once I got there I could get the load off, there would be no delay, this is a very, very nuanced topic. There are no simple answers.
1: For any of those people that are out there that are like me, say, "Oh no, that's too slow." That, no, nah, I'm going to make you know two loads in that amount of time. I am with you, and you are right. But but just keep listening. They they know what they're talking about. I'm not discouraging you from doing that. I believe. I believe that's true. What you're saying, Uh, these people that can run two loads in that one amount of time, it takes Joel, uh, you know, three years to get there. Blah blah blah. But you know, in the long run, there could be less maintenance cost. You're you're a lot more peaceful. You know, just look at all the variables. Just like playing chess, you don't want to beat yourself. And you look at the opponent's threats first. You might be missing something. You might Tony, not be
0: doing the what if. Tony, you know what you just summarized for me? What I was talking about earlier, the reason when I go to help people make big business decisions, become an owner-operator, get their authority, whatever, I approach it first. Here are the mistakes you need to avoid. That's what you were just talking about. Don't beat yourself. Don't don't go into this and make a yeah, stupid that's mistake. Right. That's that's obvious. It happens all the time. Don't do this. That's step number one. And what
1: they don't know most people don't know that you've made any mistakes. Correct. I do.
0: Yeah. Don't make the mistakes, though. Once, See, we can learn from other people. Our best learning tool is experience. But experience hurts, and experience can be expensive. So we should try to learn as much as possible from other people. That's what I do when I highlight these mistakes. These are mistakes I've seen people make. Over and over and over in business, and it hurts. So let's start there. Let's avoid the mistakes first. Let's not beat ourselves. Let's go to Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. What's on your mind today?
2: Well, in the beginning, I need you to reach up by your left ear and turn that switch for resist, rolling resistance off. Okay. Turn it off for a second. <laughs> um, this truck has low-profile 22.5. I do not know the exact, you know, two eighty five seventy
1: five 75. Okay. I, I'd, yeah. I'd
2: have to get out and look. Uh, it is the D 13 BGT 12-speed overdrive auto shift, 264 rear end. As you know, these containers that I drag around are the worst black, brown <laughs> rubber things. That's all <laughs> I'm going to call them because I'm afraid to say the word. I know. So <laughs> – yeah, when I, when I go down to West Virginia with my loaded box, it's 20-footer on a tandem chassis, and it's 41, 42,000, so I don't want to go real fast. So I go 55 all the time, because less speed, less heat, less chance of a problem. Yes. But at 55 miles an hour, this thing will stay in 11th gear all by itself, which is direct, and it is at 1,250 on the tack. How much difference... Between the Low Pro 225 and the 11R 225, would there be an RPM?
0: About 50. Depending on, again, which size you had, we could run some calculations, but it's roughly going to be 50.
2: Okay, because I'm curious, because at 55, if I lose 50, 75 RPM, would that be a little bit better economy wise? Then no. you got to turn your rolling resistance right. switch back on. Because are you losing it because of 11R against low pro?
0: So this is the same type of argument we make when we've changed our mind about direct drive over the years. For a long time, we were so, you've got to drive in direct drive because we don't want to lose that 3% when we go to overdrive. Well, then they came out with new transmissions and you don't lose 3% anymore. You lose maybe one. And that's that now it makes sense to start looking at running in overdrive, which is more and more of what we're talking about. In some cases, not all cases. This is the same thing. You are in an operation where you're more local you're 55, where rolling resistance actually starts to become more important, not less. Aerodynamics become less important the slower we go. Rolling resistance becomes more important. Somewhere around 50 to 55, somewhere in there, the claims that I've read is that aerodynamics goes from number one factor for fuel economy to number two and rolling resistance goes from number two to number one, somewhere right around the speed you're talking Interesting. about. Interesting. Right. So <sighs> do we know what would happen if we went to an 11R? Not for sure. Maybe nothing. It might be a wash. It might be too small of a change in either direction to even know.
2: Okay. I'm just curious because I thought, well, as when I'm empty coming back. If, if the uh, last no, let me week, let I me play around.
0: Let me answer this. If the goal is to try to get better fuel economy, thinking the 11R might do it. If that's the goal, then I would say no, don't. If there was some other reason, these idiots keep dropping these damn containers so low that I'm killing myself trying to crank them up high enough to get under them and you want a little more height i would actually say build up your fifth wheel but if there was some other reason you thought the 11r was going to be better other than economy well we could talk about it and maybe it would make sense if it's economy don't bother it's too small of a change might not even be a positive change we don't know for sure and low pro 22.5s are still the most popular tires so You have better luck getting them, getting the model you want. You get more credit when you turn them in. There's other factors here.
2: Okay. I did ask uh, Mike Beckett last week
0: about drive
2: tires that do not pick up so many rocks and then chuck them at the back of your cab as you're driving. And I know that an all-position, which a lot of people call a steer, doesn't pick them up as much. Have you ever been able to quantify the difference in wear rating of a closed-shoulder drive against an all-position tire? I know they're born with about 19 against 30 to 32 Correct. as far as the 30 seconds of tread. I know that, but do the straight tread wear better. Yes. So it's not quite as bad.
0: Yes. In fact, if you measure the wear of your tire when it's brand new, it wears the fastest as it wears down sure. the wear slows down. So you take those tall one inch lugs or darn near one inch lugs and they wiggle like crazy. Hey, don't you feel it? When you get a new set of those big tall lugs, I swear I can feel it squirming around on the road. That's how much those things flex. You know,
2: I've I've heard guys say that for years, and I, maybe on my butt's numb or something. I just never really know. Yeah,
0: that I much. I feel it squirm like crazy with the new set of lugs on, and and all that squirming is lost energy and wear. Sure, for but me, the rolling so,
2: resistant of the straight tread is going to be that much better with the lug. So are you going to do a little better economy-wise with the all-position tire
0: also? Sometimes you're going to do significantly better with the all-position tire, depending on what tire you're comparing it to. Take an all-position at, you know, 102 or 103, which is pretty common, and some of the lugs are 140. You're going to get a half mile per gallon better. Yes.
2: Man, I, I wish Michelin wouldn't. I know you was in on that, but man, I wish they'd have left it, to look at it two ways, instead it, of the comparison, because when I do the comparison, I, it blows my mind. What does that even mean? I, I really wish they had the real I, number that you could look at the way it used to be.
0: I will say I argued to leave the real number there, and they thought it would be more confusing. I wanted both.
2: Oh, man.
0: I wanted both, and I yeah, argued for both. They before, thought it would be more confusing. I could look at a
2: Yeah, I can look at a Bridgestone 760 EL. It's a 138. I can look at a Goodyear's all-position tire, and it's 102. Oh, Delbert, 102, 138. That's easy to see. It's a comparison because they got that daggone arrow, and then it's green or it's red, and I don't know which one means what. It confuses the snot out of me.
0: I can tell you, up until wide singles came on the market, I ran exclusively all position tires in all positions. Did it for years and loved it. The only reason I switched was wide singles.
2: Uh, I need to call Jackie. She runs those straight treads. She could tell me what kind of life she gets out of them.
0: Yep. Here's the thing I found. I, I could not test the cost to to come up with an accurate number it takes too long to wear out the tires by the time you wear out a set of tires tire prices yeah. have changed that model doesn't exist anymore that's the problem i ran into trying to test this for pure cost it, it takes too well, long sure, to wear out a per set for 30 seconds <laughs> right it's so yeah the cents per 30
2: seconds you can't do because the last set you got them for 268 a tire
0: and, and, and now they're 375. Or the model doesn't even exist (laughs) anymore. That (laughs) happens too. too. So over the years, I just decided, look, it's impossible. I can't test these things for cost. So if it's that close that I can't even test it, I stopped worrying about it. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, I did order a testing kit from Dr. Jack
0: Oh good.
1: Because everything
2: that's been, everything that's been going on, I, man, I, they do have a, a conference call that you do with one of their people. Yeah. And the girl suggested the level two kit, which gives you the cardiac panel and a bunch of other stuff. So that should be here sometime this week. So I might have some interesting news for you on a health day when all that comes back in a month or so.
0: Yeah, definitely call with that. We'll go over it all.
2: All right, can. I'll let you
0: go, maybe, bud. Maybe we'll even uh, give me enough time, and maybe I'll get Dr. Wolfson to come on and go over it with us.
2: That'd be cool. Okay, yeah. so I'll send it to you by way of email.
0: Sounds Support good. at Let's Truck. Yep, that'll work. Okay. All right, bud. All right. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Right, Kevin. Let's, uh, let's go to Ohio. Joe, welcome to the program.
3: You know, I really need to chase Herschel down on, uh, on the trucking tribe. He's like 45 minutes from my shop.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, he's
3: he's working for uh, Evans there on the east side of Columbus, and I'm out between Columbus and Buckeye Lake.
0: Oh, okay, I know where you are.
3: So, we talked a few months ago with Bruce about my uh, getting the 264s for my Volvo. I run the same lane day in and day out, southeastern Ohio, northern West Virginia. So... I've got a set of 264 set on the pallet. I just have to go get them. So, last week I used 1072 gallons. Or I drove 1072 miles. Used 176 gallons for 6.1 miles a gallon. Wait. Spent 612 bucks.
0: Wait. Give me how many miles?
3: 1072.
0: And how many gallons? 176. Oh, you keep breaking up right when you're saying the gallons and I think I'm just hearing it wrong. Say it again. Say it again. 176. Oh, 176. Okay. I at first I thought I first. thought I heard like 107 and I'm thinking, "Wait a minute, that's 10 miles to the gallon." So no, you're right. Okay. Go ahead. So that got
3: that got me at 6.17. Uh, and if the
4: one
3: if the 264 is 1 mile an hour or 1 mile per gallon. up. Oh, who said that? that?
0: I could get wait, wait, wait wait, a... wait, 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 wait. That Whoever claimed that a gear ratio change would give you a mile per gallon?
3: That is, maybe I misunderstood.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not I saying somebody,
3: Bruce, I God, I Bruce.
0: I'm not sh- saying he didn't said it, it say a mile it. Gallon. If I would have heard him say that, I would have questioned him. Bru- I've never heard Bruce okay. say that. Bruce typically talks about I, three to five tenths and, and sometimes we can't get that. Sometimes you'll hear me tell people, no, I don't think you should change gear ratios. There's not enough savings here. I've never seen a gear ratio make a, a mile per gallon difference ever.
3: Well, then my difference of 78 dollars a week in fuel may not may or may not balance it. no but, do um, do
0: not I just do think, not budget this on a one mile per gallon difference I it I think budgeting on a half mile per gallon difference is better and might still be a little high
3: okay because I mean they're set as the, the price the price is right I I I told him I was like, "What gear sticker on him? I will come get him Friday."
0: What gear ratio do you have right now?
3: Uh ten feet with a three ninety.
0: Ooh, what year is this thing?
3: 02.
0: Oh, what engine? Detroit. Okay, so how fast are you driving most of the time?
3: Right now, because of the hills here in southeast Ohio, I am running. 1580 on the tack at 65 miles an hour because the downshift from 10th to 9th, I'd be at 52.
0: Yeah, the 10th. So sp- I'm
3: actually running faster than I want to because of the 10 speed's killing me.
0: Right. The, the 10 speed is a little difficult in this operation with 390s, uh, unless I, I can tell you. Three nineties with a Volvo and a Detroit. That's the last truck I sold. Mine was a ninety-nine Volvo with the yeah, Detroit we, and three nineties. And at I
3: I, I do the tanda or I do the spread axle dump. No arrows. I, we've talked about this a little bit in the past. I just I don't have the air, um, air dynamic ability to save any fuel economy in that sense.
0: In what sense? Yeah. The worse your aerodynamics um, are, the I more don't. important slowing down becomes.
3: And we've talked about that, but like I so, said, you know, with the rolling hills of Southern Ohio, 80,000, I would be in ninth gear at 1800 RPM at 52 almost every pull. if I tried to run 57 miles an hour.
1: Um
3: I don't have no side skirts. I don't have no fairies for, for, Forget the
0: aerodynamics. Let's, let, 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 let's stop talking about the aerodynamics. They're meaningless. You don't have them. We're not going to get them. So we don't, I don't want to spend any time on them. The numbers I'm hearing from you aren't making sense. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Because of the 10 speed, we've got two drops all the way down to ninth. That's what's going on here. It's been so a long time since I've worked with a, a 10 speed like this. Uh, you, you are correct. So the 264s, had I... It's 65 had,
3: would be 1,400 RPM.
0: Yeah, which is fine. It's a great place to run that engine, especially when we need a little more um, horsepower, when, when we're really torque and horsepower slightly better on that engine around 1,400. And that's what you need because you're heavy and we've got all these short pulls. Uh, I... I
3: um, Bruce has got it. Bruce has got a tune to 650. I have everything but his manifold. I have the big turbo, I have the fast fuel, I have the OPS, I have the fleet. I just haven't gotten the manifold yet because when I'm ready to spend the money it's out of stock. Or I forget about right. it for a while because everything's going great.
0: Yeah. No, and, and all that horsepower and torque helps. The tune really helps that thing. 264s are probably just about ideal for this. but. I'm gonna predict four or five tenths as a gain. I wouldn't budget on anything more than that.
3: But for a thousand dollar gear swap, that's that's worth every absolutely
0: no doubt. Yeah, this is one that I would definitely say change the gears.
3: Okay, because basically in my head, I knew it was the right thing. Listening to Bruce and the guys that done it, I know it's the right thing. Maybe I was looking for validation. Yeah. And I mean, I
0: know it's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. And I don't always say that about gear changes. In the last couple of years, I've been very careful about gear changes because it got so expensive. And I don't want people to hear that and just run out and spend six or seven thousand dollars to change gears and never be able to make that money back. In your case, though, it's kind of a slam dunk. You, did, you got a great price yeah, on them. I, Overall cost isn't gonna be that much, and this is a, a really good change based on what you're doing.
3: Yes, we spoke a couple months ago with Bruce on the Power Hour, and I actually had a, a full cutoff, disc brakes, super singles, everything, but I didn't get down there quick enough to lock it in.
4: Oh, oh, someone, ah, yeah. ah,
3: someone got Someone got down there before me, but I was down there Saturday picking up other items for another truck that's sitting in the shop, and I see them sent on the pallet, like, what are these for? He's like, I'm getting ready to put them on the website. He's like, I can't get no one to buy them. I was like, no, I want them. Perfect. I, I was like, with him, he's like, how much? thousand bucks. I was like, I got 500 here. I was like, can you hold them until Saturday? I come back and get them in the pickup. He's like, yeah, I'll hold them. So I'm gonna go get them Saturday, either Friday morning or Saturday morning.
0: Perfect. All
3: right, well, in that case, thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's roll on into the next call in California. Jerry, welcome to the program.
4: Hi, Kevin. I want to give a shout out to Herschel first. I guess I heard his call about not being able to take a vacation, and I want him to know he's not alone. And I did read the other day that, you know, a 72 hour hold in a psych ward is looking like a pretty good vacation to me. Sounds kind of relaxing, doesn't it? It does, yeah. That's not what I called about, but since he was on, I thought I'd give him a Uh, shout out. uh, Last week, you were talking talking about truck nomenclature, and I have absolutely no clue if it's as simple or not, but you were asking what the D in FLD stood for. You were talking to Joel about the uh, nomenclature on the Vols, and you said, had Jackie on there and wondered what the D stood for, and I have no idea if it's that simple or not, but... I owned some trucks of the vintage right before the FLDs came out, and they were designated FLC. That was a cab over. So could it be that it? simple that they were just? No, no, they were conventional. Oh, were they? No, they were FLCs. They were conventional. Uh, the the predecessor See, to the FLDs that s- came out. But I just wondered if it was that simple. They were just going up the alphabet. They had a C and then they had an FLD. So. It, it,
0: it could have been. I mean, these numbers and letters, and, and they're mm-hmm. in a lot of model numbers of components. And the, the model number usually tells us a lot of information if you understand how they did it. For example, in transmissions with um, Eaton and both Eaton and Spicer, maybe everybody else, I'm not sure. If there was an O in that model number, it was an overdrive. If there was no O, it was a direct right. drive. Uh, so, and, and all those other numbers meant, you know, told you how many gears, told you all kinds of stuff. So, um, somebody when we were having the conversation said the C designation was for cab over, and I believed them. But um, now I believe you. It well, it wasn't. definitely wasn't. Right. It was, yeah. But if you went in and got
4: parts, it, it was designated as an FLC. I don't know. The hell, I'd probably remember it, some of the VIN numbers, but. Anyway, those old square nose uh, conventional uh, Freightliner tractors, the immediate predecessor to the FLDs, were were designated as FLCs. So that's hey, all. Hey, I just
0: thought I'd follow through on that and didn't know if it was that simple or not. It could be. You might be on to something. All right, that's it. All right, thanks for the call. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know why I've never bothered to learn those in trucking. I probably know more cars like that than I do trucks. Like I said, the, the Europeans had the best method of naming their vehicles. The name told you something, told you several things, told you the body style, the engine, uh, whether it was two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive many times, all in what they would call the model number, like a um, like BMW, like a 330iX. That tells you a couple things. It's a The body style is the three series. The engine is a 3.0 liter and it's four-wheel drive all from the name and instead we call something a maverick yeah well that helps a lot let's uh let's go to mississippi phone lines are open by the way we uh we blew through the calls we had this morning and uh there aren't any more coming in you guys might uh, give me an easy day today let's go to mississippi mark welcome hey
2: kevin uh tried to call on friday but y'all were long-winded and i had to go visit a customer and take them like a bunch of pies through some customer relations.
0: So, uh, anyway, I got an oil sample there, and then I was a couple things I want to cover. So, I don't know which one you want to get to first. Well, let's do the oil sample first. Uh, other than your base that they flagged at a level two, which you've still got plenty of base there, I wouldn't be worried about that base at all. I mean, this really, in my opinion, I'm going to guess that you're using the catalyst.
2: Of course, yes. Catalyst—it's uh, car hauler. Using I don't know, you may or may
0: not remember. Oh so, yeah, so CD thirteen. Yeah, so uh, we, we, we've got high iron that they would flag at a level one. The the low base at a level two. Honestly, I look at this sample; it's a zero. There's nothing in this sample to be concerned about at all.
2: Okay, I, I just wanted—I normally just get Pittsburgh power, but I've never had you look at it, so I was just like, you are kind of like the the other doctor here. So uh, anyway. Uh, well, uh,
0: you know, one thing I do notice that's actually a little
2: odd. Is cost, cost, of that, because that, that seems to be one of the biggest problems for people out here is they don't run the numbers and look at the numbers and, and, and drill down in their costs and all like that. They're actually what they're doing, and I. I that and then you, you get people on here that, that, that don't understand customer relations and building relationships. Uh, it, it's just, uh, you know, that's what I did on Friday. I was like, I, I ended up having like some issues. I had a ran over something at a customer site last week and I had to get a road call out to get a spare tire. So I bought. Two. So it kind of ended short and uh, some other weather delays. But so I, I spent time Friday to go go to my main customer and uh, just, you know, and they're like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I said, because you're good to me and I appreciate it. And, yeah, well, well you're good to me. You're good to us. I'm like, well, I know it's a two-way street, but it's like how much I so, appreciate, you know, what go ahead.
0: Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I, I, for some reason, I'm not positive that I'm taking this topic i'm about to talk about from the right book but i think i am i think it's somewhere in the seven habits but i'm trying to remember where it, you know
2: what I, the, i'll the, be honest with you i never got i never got through that book and i really need to because it, once i read you know later in life you know uh how to win friends and influence people I just pretty much put those principles to work, which is probably in the same book.
0: So So here's a principle, and I believe he talked about this in The Seven Habits. It's called the emotional bank account. So it's the idea of every interaction we have with other people. We should look at it as an interaction with our money. So when we have money in our hand, we could either go spend it, right? And a lot of times we spend it on stuff we don't really need. Which, which is fine, or we could put it in the bank. And if we put it in the bank, then we have some when we need it, right? Correct. And I'm a big believer in we should save. I've been talking about it for a long time, especially when tough times are coming, you should save even more. So this idea is that what you just did, you you went above and beyond, and they even commented, hey, hey look, we, we really appreciate you. It's almost like telling you you don't need to do that. But by doing it, you have just put a check mark in your emotional savings account. And they, I don't, this is going to sound wrong, but this is how human nature works. They kind of owe you one and they feel that and they know that. And that's, we want partners that get that. Some people don't. Some people will just keep taking advantage of your generosity and they will. And, and, but it's easy to identify that and then you just move on. But once we've developed a relationship, the more we do that's positive in that relationship, the more we build up our emotional bank account. We've got credit in there now, even so much that if you are constantly just borderline and screwing up a little bit all the time, you've met people like that, right? Correct. Yes. If they have a big screw up, you want to get rid of them, right? It's like, look, I've been putting up with this little crap all the time, and now we've had this big issue. I'd be better off without this person. Um, When you build up your emotional bank account, though, and you've got a nice big savings there, you can screw up a lot and people will forgive it.
2: Yeah, I've seen that.
0: uh, And I'm not saying uh, we should screw up. Yeah, it's nice to have that insurance. Right.
2: Yeah, and, you know, so I went in there, and it's like, I, you know, he was surprised, and, you know, and uh, I said, I got some things for you, and so he he took me around, and we just, we actually, it was almost like Santa Claus, and he handed it on to the, to the, uh, the, uh, the president of the company, the, the one that, uh, uh, the one that's the on between this company and the guy that owns the whole, you know, a lot of more companies, so it's a huge, the guy that owns, uh, this company is a, is a billionaire. And he owns a lot of companies in mean, the auto industry and other industries, and all like that. So it's like we made that. We didn't even get to the billionaire. He didn't work in that office. But uh, you know, we made the rounds. Human resources, the the, the dispatcher, and then the, the guy that plans all the lot of loads. I do. He goes, I've seen your name a lot. You do this. I said, Yeah, yeah. He goes, Well, we appreciate it. I said, You know, I said I don't care how many stops you give me because people complain in car haul about how many stops they get. And I said. You know, to quote Paul, the most stops I can do is 10. So, and I told them that. And, you know, because it's like, and they asked, you know, they asked me what, what I wanted to do. I said, you know what? I told I told the, the guy I talked to all the time, I said, I, I don't care. Whatever you need me to do. You know, I said, you know how I am. It doesn't matter to me. Y'all are good to me. Right. So, and, and it's like, you build these relationships and it comes back to you. And it's like, like I said, I told you one time before, I don't even feel like I work out here. I mean, I've sat in an office. Yeah, you know, my life was off of space at one point. I, I, I sit out here. To me, this isn't even work. I mean, I I look forward to doing this every day. It's like I, I just if you know, people ask why do you do that so much, I'm like I well, don't feel like work. It's just you know, it's not work to me. And you know, the, the, and all of a sudden here's the money. And it's like I'm on a, I'm on a pace now. I, I figured out my numbers at the end the last month. I'm on a pace to do 410 this year. So uh, whether it maintains it or not, I don't know. But you know, it's like I have, I looked at my bank account in business bank account the other day and I had over $100,000. I mean, I've never had that before.
0: Uh, isn't that awesome? Yeah. I know. And, but just, uh,
2: it, it, it is. This stuff works. It's like, so it's like, you know, and I, and I still worry about it. So, you know, but it's like, oh, uh, you know, I mean, it, and, it's, and I always take the approach is you're only as good as your last load. Yeah. It's like you're not. I mean, you can you can be as you can be perfect all along. And it's like you're only as good as you know what. Like you look in sports. What do people remember Bill Buckner for? He dropped the ball in the World Series that allowed the other team to win. <laughs> it's like you're only as good as your last play. Yeah,
0: you're you right. Know?
2: You're only as good as your last load, and when you screw up. And then then when you screw up and you will screw up, you just admit it, you pay whatever it costs to unscrew that and you go on. You know, and, yep. I mean, I was I was doing a load at a, a manufacturing complex a couple weeks ago. And, and a driver from another company came over and asked for help. And I gave him a little help. You know, don't don't normally like to you know, he wanted to push it in there because he had an oil leak. And he asked me how to use something. I said, I don't know, I've never done that. And before long he tried to fix it and he made the problem so bad. And he created, he vaporized, basically, aerosol, hydraulic oil. It covered me, my (laughs) car, my truck. He left a pool there. I called my contact with this company. I took pictures of his crap. He got all pissed off. I have worked with that other company before. I called one of the dispatchers there and sent them all the pictures and said, this is what happened. And the guy left. And it's like he got banned from that plant. And he will never be able to do and, and that company, well, before they do work with the other company, they're going to be questioned because of one person's actions. And it's like, you know, you just, things happen. It's business. Yep. It's car hauling. It's, you know, it's high risk, high reward, whatever. It's like, you just, you do the best you can. And just, if you make a mistake, you own up to it. And you, you're honest with your customers and they appreciate that more than if you like, you know, you, you're not, but... Like I said, I I don't feel like I I work out here. And it's like, you know, Uh, that was the biggest thing. And it's like, you know, I I was getting to know Paul, listen to you, you know, all the the people. I sound like a race car driver now. Pittsburgh Power, uh, David (laughs) Towns, you know, uh, uh, MD Alignment. You know, it it, it, it all
4: works. It does. And,
2: you know, sometimes you you have to drive faster than others. But if you use your – somebody was talking about fuel mileage. And about what the truck says, just use your app. Just use your app. It's right there. It's, it's free. You use your app. Every time I fuel, put the numbers in there, get it off, get the cost off Nastic. put it in there, track my fuel, track my uh, my uh DEF, and, and we go on. And, and and you can see where you're at, know what your costs are. And it's like, it's not hard. And it's, you know, and people say, well, you know, I I, th- I know somebody that was like, well, I don't trust oil samples. And I ask why, and they can't answer because I know what I'm doing. And it's like, no, you really don't. And it's like, I, I oil sample every time I use the products yep. and, and and people don't want to know. It's almost like, you know, when you talk to them about health, it's like, they want to, like an ostrich, they want <laughs> to stick their head in the ground. Yeah. You know, I, I don't get it, you know, so. I don't uh, either. But I appreciate, I appreciate everything. And the, uh, the, the system works. If you use the process you set forward, it works. And, uh. I mean it just it just does and if you just build relationships and it I mean I was listening to John Force interview, he's a drag racer and he didn't win a race for eight years when he first started. Eight eight years. Eight and years and it's like seven years. It took me yeah, it <laughs> took me seven almost eight years to get where I did last year. There you go. And because nice. then, it, then it, it took off. Like I said, I changed my business like in, in the first eight years, I changed it ten times. Right. And, and right. people are scared of change. People are scared of change. That's, I don't want to change. Why that's true. It right does You that, have
0: to change. That hurts a lot you, of people. You you're have right. to change. Yep. yep. Good point.
2: Yeah. You you have to change. You have to know what you're doing. See what's going on. If it's not working, you just can't pound it into a, you can't pound a square peg into a round hole, no matter how hard you beat it. And if it's not working, you got to figure out why it's not working and you make a change, make adjustments. And, and I mean, I went through... Three different types of trucks, so several different types of equipment. I went from doing uh, personal-owned vehicles, auction freight. Now, I'm doing contract so, freight now, but it, it took so this let me long tell you something. to figure this out. I,
0: can I give you a piece of advice? I'm go, here,
2: ain't I? Yeah.
0: Go, <laughs> of course. Go, go back to the seven habits. You're ready for it now. You weren't ready for it before. I will. Yep. Go back to yeah. it.
2: Yeah, it'll it'll, I, it'll help. I, I will. I, it, pro- I promise you. Yep. I got a lot of I got a lot of credits because I have a I have an account with Audible. This I got like a bunch of credits in here. They always like you need to buy a book. I'm like, okay, so
0: get get the uh, Seven Habits up and on a book just, just to, call me and we'll talk about it.
2: Okay, we'll do, I'll do that. All right. So, uh, but yeah, you know, anyway, I appreciate it. So and like I said, uh, you know. Uh, it, you got to know your numbers and you got to build relationships and it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. People want this yeah. to happen overnight. It doesn't. That, I told somebody last night. I'll leave you with this. You gotta stop thinking like a driver and think like a business owner because this' is a business. Driving's just part of the business.
0: That's a very good point. and the fact that it doesn't happen overnight takes years, years and it gets better and better and better all the time if you keep working at it. I like the idea of can I, CANI, C-A-N-I, I constant and never-ending improvement. That's what it stands for. And things will continue to get better. Uh, we keep dropping calls, I'm not sure what's going on, but we've uh, we've got one here. If you wanna jump in, 855-950-3835. We're gonna go to West Virginia this time. David, welcome.
5: Hello, Kevin. Uh, I sent you an oil sample.
0: Let me take a look and see what we've got here. So we've got an MX-13. What year is it?
5: It's uh, 2014.
0: All right. We've got uh, coming up on about a million miles, 900 and some. Is that correct?
5: Yeah, 900. Well, right now i got 933, 930.
0: Okay. Yeah, and it's getting pretty close. Yeah, so 34,000 or so on the oil itself. Uh, let's see. We've got some wear metals, nothing. On, are you using oh. catalyst?
5: Yeah, I do use a catalyst. And, uh, the last oil sample, which was the first one I did on this truck, you kind of freaked me out a little bit and I oh, ended wait up a having minute. the oil wait. band pulled off and, uh, and the rods and mains changed it. Okay.
0: You changed rods and mains?
5: Yeah. Rods and mains have been changed. They, I changed them, uh, right before this oil was put in.
0: Did they really need it when you got them out?
5: Uh, no, they actually didn't need it, but the mechanic, uh, they did it for me. It took him like 10 hours to get the oil pan off because it's glued on there. And, uh, so I just told him since I already had the labor into it, just already had bought the bearings. So we just went ahead and put them in there. That way I didn't have to worry about the bottom end. Okay. Um, but he said, no, technically it, they did not need to be replaced. Well, my problem was the first oil sample I took I wasn't thinking and I drained it out of the oil pan when the oil was cold so it kind of messed that sample up give us a bunch of weird stuff and then you scared me whenever because I wasn't thinking about it when I talked to you that it was cold when I took the sample and so I kind of got a little scared there and just went ahead and done it
0: okay so now what I'm seeing on this sample uh, so they just did that repair, right?
5: Yeah, that was okay. Uh, so right around the first of the year,
0: yeah. Uh, let's see, that was the first of the year we took this sample in.
5: Yeah, well, the the May so the uh the thirty thirty three thirty four thousand whatever this oil sample has on it that was that's the oil. Got it. When they put the oil pan back on, okay. this is the sample. From that's that
0: that's what I'm looking for because your silicon's at thirty. That's Really high that would be a problem, except it's because they were in the engine. So I would change this oil now. Yeah,
5: that's kind of what I thought. Okay.
0: I would change the oil all because right, we, my, we we've got to uh, get that number down. I thought, but I right? just wanted to check. Yeah, we okay. it it's probably Everything. not dirt. It's probably gasket sealers and all kinds of other weird stuff when we start taking engines apart. We do get a little dirt in there, but we need uh-huh. to get that number down so we can start monitoring it again. Otherwise, we're always going to be confused.
5: Yeah. Okay. That's that was what uh, what came to my mind, but I'm not. I'm new to the whole oil sample thing. This is the only second one I've ever done, so I still don't know exactly what I'm looking at. So all well, you got to do is call. I wanted your opinion. Perfect. Yeah. I just, I just, I just wanted your opinion to make sure that I was doing the right thing.
0: Yep. You're all set. And as soon as you get that. Uh, changed out. Then I would set your schedule to sample again at 25,000. Let, let's Let's uh, let's take a look and see if we get that number down. Uh, if this were an ISX, I would predict we wouldn't be able to get it under 10. They seem to hold so much oil that sometimes when you get high numbers on the ISX, hard to get them down. It takes a while. Uh, we really, really want to get that number under 10. So change it check it at 25,000 and let's see what happened. All right. I'll uh, I'll hang out here for another minute or two, but we're out of calls. Might just be a nice, easy Monday. I was kind of tired today anyway. Uh, but if you want to jump in, if you've got a question, a comment, a topic, I'll give you uh, a couple minutes to jump in here. 855-950-3835. So Real quick, going through the uh, the series that I'm doing on mistakes to avoid when getting started as an owner-operator. There are six of them. I've posted four so far, and the mistakes are actually pretty simple stuff, but people are shocked sometimes when I, when I tell them some of these. The first one, people think, what, really? Um, the first mistake, and I see this over and over and over. It's asking for advice and listening to family and friends or whoever you're asking advice from. Now, a lot of people think when they first start reading this or I talk about it, that I'm saying, don't ask for advice. I'm not. In fact, I'm saying the opposite. You should be asking more people for advice, but you need to get better at asking and you need to get better at understanding. That's what I'm trying to get across why is it not good to listen to advice from family and friends? Well, first off, I watch people that take advice from family and friends when their family and friends have zero experience in what they're asking about. And somehow we still think that's good advice because I guess it's our family and friends. Then somebody will say, oh, no, but the guy I asked, my friend has got 36 years as an owner-operator. Successful. Okay, that could be a problem i'm not saying it is it could be you have to be careful there's a whole book i read about this topic that sometimes people who have done something really well for a long time are very bad at explaining how to do it for sometimes they just don't explain very often they're they're not good at at simplifying things or the opposite they oversimplify it because they have forgotten that some of those early concepts can be complicated if you don't know them and you haven't done this. So even somebody who's been very successful at what you are trying to do may not be good at giving advice. You have to be able to determine that. There are other, and this is, when I was writing this, when I was thinking about this years and years ago, I wrote these, these mistakes a long time ago. I'm updating them now. But one of the things you should get good at, this is when I developed this idea of asking the question, why and why not? Here's just a simple example. And I've seen examples like this happen so many times. Somebody will say, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about buying a truck. And somebody else pops up and says, oh, never buy this kind of truck. Uh, some brand. Just put any brand you want in there. Never buy this. And then that's it. That's all they say. And the person asking for the advice doesn't really ask and follow up. Well, ask why? Here's some of the simple answers I've gotten. Oh, well, they're too heavy. Too heavy for what? I don't care about weight in my operation. But see, they didn't bother to explain that. Something that simple. I see this over and over and over. So get better at asking questions. Holy cow. I just asked for some uh, phone calls and the lines lit up. I guess I better go take some of these. Be here all day now. Let's uh, let's go to Florida. Pat, welcome.
6: Hi, Kevin. This is Pat. Uh, I just wanted to update you on my girl's uh, dizziness for the BPPV and oxalates. Uh, she was pretty clean for two weeks uh, in cutting back and taking some uh, berberine. Okay. Uh, didn't have any problems. And then she found a, uh, a sale over at Walmart on spinach, and she started eating too much spinach oh, again. Oh, boy. So it's it's just a question of uh, managing the, uh, she had three episodes since then. Ah, Um, Just a question of managing how much oxalates you take in and try to eliminate Uh, them slowly.
0: I'm glad she ate the spinach, actually. She kind of proved what we were looking at. Yeah. 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 I think that's that's excellent. one
6: topic. The other other topic is uh, I sent you a uh, publication from uh, uh, Dr. Paul Marrick. Are you familiar with that, Dr.?
0: With well, the name sounds familiar. He's one but I'm of the found, it right now.
6: He's one of the founding uh, uh, people of the uh, frontline COVID care critical care people. Oh, okay. And uh, he's sort of a sort of a genius in my mind. Anyway, he has a list of uh, repurposed drugs that are helpful for cancer cures, and I might point your attention to number seven, uh, which is mebendazole. Menben- and menbendazole is an anti-worming drug it's sort of like uh, ivermectin is to covid menbendazole is to cancer so if you want to do some research and look at that and and that dr marrick if you could get him he'd probably be a great guy to get on uh, destination health for an interview
0: yeah i'll I'll take a look at that i really haven't i'm familiar with him but i really haven't looked through a lot of his stuff i think i will though
6: I know. I know one story of his from that's on the YouTube from 2017. Basically, the guy remembers all this research from his many years, and he puts together something that that seems to work. And he cured uh, sepsis in the hospital environment.
0: Yeah, uh, of
6: course they don't want you. To, they don't want you. To, they don't want you to know about it because you don't make
0: any money on his
6: cure. Well, that's, and that's, that's the same that's, thing with the creeper.
0: Yeah, that always seems to be the case.
6: And that's the same thing with these, uh, cure cancer drugs. This menbendazole looks really interesting. And, and have you heard of the other guy, Dr. Mobeen Sayed, Dr. Bean? No,
0: I haven't heard of him at all.
6: Okay. He does, he does YouTube videos, basically, uh, uh, talking about how the process of uh, things take place in the body, drugs or, or, you know, cancers. or And originally he got canceled with everybody else when he talked about how ivermectin works to cure COVID. So uh, these are some of the leading guys that are coming up with uh, uh, answers to how do we treat things without uh, uh, doing the three things you don't like that doctors do, cut you, poison you, or what's the other one?
0: Oh, let's see. So... Poison, cutting. They either cut
6: you, poison you, or irradiate you.
0: Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah.
6: So uh, they don't want you to know about these other cheap cores. This uh you, you can still get it overseas in a powder. I'm reading from uh, Dr. Marrick's uh, articles there. Uh, for less than a dollar uh, a serving. But here in America, now that they know it's sort of uh, something that works, I, I, I saw it was up to $555 a serving. <laughs> uh, but you, and, and all it is is a deworming drug.
0: Well, it, there should be uh, generics then. It should be off uh, patent. There should be generics available. I, I, it's,
6: it's off patent, but you know their are tricks. And they, they they take yeah. one molecule one molecule on it and they refile it and they eliminate the other one. So Teva Pharmaceuticals used to make this thing in America. Uh, now they don't. I think they canceled that in 2011. But they've done studies on, well, they. I think the study they looked at was they were treating mice and trying to figure out how to cure cancer so they would inject the mice with cancer. Uh, but the mice they were trying to give cancer to, the ones that had the deworming medicine uh, just you know to make them be healthy mice that you could test, uh, they couldn't accept the cancer; they would reject it.
0: Interesting. I'll have to so go that's do what, some research. That's it.
6: And uh, the other day, you mentioned some thoughts about uh, uh, an individual that had cancer. This is the type of stuff. It's just like ivermectin back in the day. You just start taking it. There's very little side effects, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but it doesn't hurt to help. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt, right? To help yeah. try that.
0: Got it. All right. Good stuff. That's it. That's it for me. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Wisconsin. Scott, welcome.
2: Yeah, hi, Kevin. How are you doing today?
0: Good. What's on your mind?
2: Um, every time I have ever seen to turn on and you're talking about this new uh, toothpaste regiment
5: thing, I've always caught it like way in, so I don't
2: think I know the name
0: and what to look for in the
2: store, okay. which I should so, be using for water it just protocol.
0: Yeah, so it, it's an entire system. It's not just toothpaste. We, uh, we found a company called Primal Life. So if you go to our website, hit the search button, type in Primal Life, you'll see all the products we carry. So there is a, a dental detox kit that we recommend starting with. So it comes with the proper toothbrush, just a nice simple bamboo soft bristle toothbrush, which is what everybody should be using, something soft and simple like this. Um, two tooth powders, one you use in the morning, one you use at night. One is charcoal and it's for deep cleaning and detox. The other one is remineralizing. Uh, there's a tongue scraper, There are some gum drops, they call them, some really healthy oils for our gums. So it's a whole system. Use the brush, the tooth powders, you have a morning okay. routine, you have a night routine. Use the gum drops, the tongue scraper. The idea is that what we're really trying to accomplish in our mouth is not necessarily cleaning. Brushing our teeth isn't all that important, like we've been taught. What is important, and the reason we know that, we know that there were, uh, you know, indigenous hunter-gatherer tribes that had perfect teeth, and yet they never used a toothbrush in their life or toothpaste of any kind. So that that isn't the critical part. The critical part is the bacteria in our mouth gets so out of whack because of the foods we eat and then the products we use that are designed to kill all the bacteria. So when you kill all the bacteria, immediately bacteria starts coming back But it tends to favor the bad bacteria. So we have this constant battle of bad bacteria that causes gum disease, cavities, and bad breath. Like everything we're trying to fix in our mouth, all these products are making it worse, not better. That's why I have to keep taking them day after day after day. As usual, right? Yeah, as usual. Exactly. It's just here we go again. Now it turns out the thing that got my attention, this woman swears and she's proven it. Now I absolutely believe her that the human body can heal cavities and it should heal cavities we shouldn't have them That's amazing. just like we our, our body can repair a bone you break a bone completely in half and what does it do it fuses itself back together well why does it our teeth are i didn't either our teeth are very very similar to our bones why don't they heal they would they can except so, our our mouth bacteria is so disrupted that it doesn't happen. But under the system, your cavities actually start healing themselves.
2: All right. Well, with the feedback I was hearing from, I think, you and the other callers, um, I always got in the truck and it was partway through and I just never had gone back to the rest of the episode. I'll just call Kevin and get some more information on it. So I'll go to the Primal Life and get the detox, detox kit and we'll give that a try. But Sounds like
0: everyone's having great responses yeah. to it. Yeah, make sure you go to our website to get it. Just search for Primal Life. Once you get to I will, our website, yeah, to and that. yeah, and then yeah. then after you have the kit, then we just sell the replacement stuff. Like you can buy new tooth powder, new gum drops, that kind of stuff. But you get the kit to start, and then just How replace long one things. Case she last? You know, they actually put a number, and the, the the tooth powders come in these really small containers in the kit. I didn't even get half as many uses as what they claimed. I must've been putting way too much powder. Uh, and now I just buy it in the bigger tub because those little ones go fast for me. I mean, I think I made it okay. less than a month.
2: Okay. Well, I can't wait to try it. It's like the cardio cardiomerical and other things. Can't wait to
0: try them. <laughs> it. This, this one is pretty spectacular. I was, uh, I was a little skeptical. I wouldn't, I was very skeptical at first. Um, I am blown away. This has been one of the most popular products we brought in. The feedback and testimonials on this stuff is just over the top. Let's uh, let's go to North Carolina, Daniel. Welcome to the program.
5: Good morning. Uh, I I love the show. Um, I just had a t- nail in my tire last night and called a tire guy, and he came out and he said it was too close to the thing and couldn't repair it, so I replaced them with uh, two two new tires on the on the one
2: side. But I didn't want to put it. I have
0: 13. Uh-oh. What happened? That call just disappeared. Daniel just dropped out of the ether there. Let's uh, let's grab another one. Let's go to New Hampshire. Eric, welcome.
7: Hi, Kevin. Uh, thanks for all your content. I just have a, a couple questions for you. I'm kind of new to the business as far as um, r- running uh, freight over the road. My question to you is, right now I'm running rails, um, w- which is okay as far as the rates and stuff like that go. I, I keep track with your software as far as my numbers and stuff like that. I was just wondering if you follow the trends in the, uh, in the market as far as moving out of rail and, and go a little further. The problem I'm running into is, is rail is very spotty right now. And I would like to go where the work is to improve my business. Is this something you recommend or kind of sit, wait until the market settles down?
0: No, and no. No, there isn't something I recommend. But no, I don't recommend just sitting back and waiting. I I would be actively. The reason it's hard for me to answer a question like this, because I don't think that the freight or the trailer is all that important. Every commodity, every trailer type is going to have its ups and downs. Now, there is a strategy for a lot of people. If it's possible for you to own multiple types of trailers, that's not a bad way to go. I've seen people that have been really successful at that. But I'm not a huge fan of jumping segments just because ours slowed down. We, we should, there's a lot of other things you should be considering. One thing I would ask you of all the trucking segments that are available, what's the one that either intrigues or incite, excites you the most? Forget about money. What would you rather do?
7: Uh, regardless of money, uh, as far as I can do, my history is I've had my CDL for 30 years and my history is doing heavy haul. Um, I retired from that job and hopped into. Doing what I'm doing now, so I I would say either flatbed, drive-in. my My goal is to to keep it to keep it interesting for me. As I'd like to go further, like uh, throughout the country, just see parts of the country. My kids are older.
0: Yeah, okay. Um,
7: it's something I've always wanted to do.
0: So, so again, mm-hmm. I would keep thinking. I wouldn't base this on money. Money changes, rates change constantly. Things get slow, then they pick back up. So uh, there if you couldn't make money in a particular segment, then that segment wouldn't exist. So you can make money doing anything. So I I don't, I tend to look at, so for me, for example, um, I've done a lot of different things in trucking. If I were to go back to trucking today, you know what I would want to haul? Big boats. What's that? I would specialize in big boats. I think it would be fun. I'd be near the water a lot. I love boats. It's different, it's challenging. That's how I would approach this, not so much which segment is hot right now.
7: Yeah, and I I guess that's kind of where I'm at the same, like where big boats would be exciting for you. Um, What I'm doing, everything's exciting for me right now, you know what I mean? Because it's all new, it's something different. I was stuck
0: in the Northeast
7: just running, you know, one state, so So everything's exciting for me right now. It just, I don't want to ruin my business model by moving.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm saying. If you're going to make a change like this, make it based on your preferences, not just the money. We can make money in any segment gotcha. and we can lose money in any segment, no matter how hot it is. So I, I tend not okay. to base my decisions on that. But so when you talk about it sounds to me like you're enjoying the longer travel and seeing more places, I'd stick with drive van for right now, then wait. Oh, with a drive van, I can get everywhere in this country. Everybody needs something delivered with a van. There's no place I wouldn't go. So if that's the kind of thing we want gotcha. to have more options, more places to drive, then then really drive vans your best bet.
7: All right. And what is what would be your suggestion as far as leasing on in my in my situation? I I could go out and get another trailer right now, but leasing on in this market, would you say is sure. a better? Where I'm newer it, at it, instead of trying to play the Yep. The spot market, you know what I mean? Yeah, Use somebody else just to try to mitigate a little risk,
0: yeah. And uh, you know, for somebody like you that's got so much experience, your intelligence, you know what you're doing. Even though you're leased on, I would look for something like Landstar Landstar or Schneider's Choice Program. They're pretty much identical. You kind of do your own thing. You don't have a dispatcher who's always trying to keep you loaded. You just use the boards and the agents, and you decide what you want to do and when you want to do it. Those two programs are about as close as you're going to get to having your own authority without having your own authority.
7: All right, perfect. Now, uh, one other thing. is um, I, I'm trying to follow your program, and it's, it's, I listen to um, Larry Long a lot, his, his website. Um, I've learned a lot from all you guys. Um, as far as, like, the oil samples, I, have, I hear a lot of people talking about the oil samples I don't use Polaris. I do have an account with them. I went through them. I just didn't know what oil sample to choose. They have 9 million of them, you know what I mean, across the top of the board. And um, so I called and talked to one of their engineers, and it was almost like he was speaking Greek to me. So what oil, I, I do it through a, it's a Blackstone company. So I yeah, just get it test, and I just don't feel they test it up.
0: I've seen Blackstone <clears throat> samples. They're not bad. Um, I, I'm a big okay. fan of Polaris, that's why we partnered with Polaris the, more than two decades ago, um, and continue today. Okay. And, um, you can get the oil sample kit from us right from our website. So, there's we, we only carry one, there, there's just one oil sample we oh, need okay. on the truck. It's, it's just one you buy the kit, you fill the bottle, you fill out the paperwork, you ship it back, and they're testing everything we need. We've been using them for decades, um, so. But I, I look at samples from other labs all the time. Um, we even double check labs by pulling, you know, one sample and splitting it, and sending it to two different labs. I, for the most part, all the other labs I've found are pretty darn accurate with one exception. Okay. There there are still labs that struggle with fuel dilution because the equipment needed to analyze fuel dilution today, because we have so many different fuels now with biofuels and blends and, Polaris, I believe, is the leader in detecting fuel dilution.
7: Okay. And I didn't know I could get that right in your store. That's good to know. And I did, I heard you guys talking about uh, fuel dilution. So what I did was the last oil sample I sent out, I sent them a little note. I'm like, hey, can you guys check fuel dilution? And that will tell me if they're doing it or not. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, they're doing it. Every lab does. The problem is some of them, their equipment isn't sensitive enough to test some of these biofuels. So we get some incorrect readings on fuel dilution. Now, there's another way we can check fuel dilution and that's viscosity. There's, there's as we okay. get more fuel in the oil, the viscosity goes down. So what we need to know is what it what should be the viscosity on the type of oil we're using. For example, if we're using a standard 1540 Rotella, like we've always used forever, your number for viscosity should be between 14 and 15. On the other hand, if we're using a okay. full synthetic 30 weight, your viscosity might be 11. A big, big difference. Now, once we know okay. what the base viscosity was, then it, let's say it should be 11.5 because it's a full synthetic. If it's 10 and they're saying there's no fuel dilution, there probably is fuel dilution. They just weren't able to catch it.
1: Okay.
7: Right. Okay. Because I, I, that's what I run as a Rotella 1540 and I run the semi-synthetic. I think it's T5. And um, I know they tested the viscosity and I was changing it at 10. Um, he said I could go to 15 as far as what the oil sample read. So I've been Wait, doing it change, at 15. Viscosity has been ch- good.
0: Changing at 10,000? Okay. Yes. Uh, what engine is this In what year?
7: cat c15 it's
0: an 04 you, you shouldn't even be sampling till twenty five thousand. my god is and okay anybody <laughs> that wreck anybody from an oil lab that said well 10s a little early go to 15 my god where have they, have they been sleeping for the last 40 years we blew <laughs> seriously we blew past fifteen thousand mile oil samples a long long time ago do you realize most of the new trucks coming okay. out today? The standard is seventy five thousand now on a, on a new truck.
7: Uh, it, well, well I, like I said, I've been doing it every fifteen, and and to me, I was putting in a little bit better oil because like I have the ability to do it myself. I'm close to home.
0: Yeah, good. Um,
7: So it saves me a little bit of money, but I'm like, the amount of miles we put on these
0: things. We're going to save you a whole bunch of money. Stop changing at 15, start sampling at 25, and then don't change it till the sample tells us to.
7: Ah, okay. Oh, that's great to know. And
0: if you (laughs) want to turn that 25,000 into probably 150,000-mile oil changes on the C-15, just put the OPS on the bypass filter. And then we're still going to sample. Go ahead. You broke but, up a little bit. Yeah. It, with the bypass oil filter, the OPS, we sell it in our store. Pittsburgh Power sells it and installs it. We've been Pittsburgh Power owns it now. We've been working with OPS since 2000, 20 some years. Pittsburgh Power okay. owns that company now. Uh, with that filter, you will typically average about 100 to 150,000 miles between changes on that engine. Wow. That's
7: that's unreal.
0: That's a big that savings. Would save
7: a ton of money. Now, do you rec? big time. Now, do you recommend that? Now, this, like I said, it's a cat C fifteen oh four with one point two five on it. Um, you will recommend that. That length is provided. So they're not seeing anything funky in the. We
0: we always go by the sample. I'm giving you averages. What I think okay, the truck perfect. will go, but we always always go by a sample. So with the OPS every 25,000 miles you're going to take a sample and spin a new filter on the OPS and then we look at the sample and if there's nothing wrong with it we just keep going i have examples wow. i right. have i have examples several examples of trucks that have gone over 500,000 miles on the same oil that's crazy those are rare but it but it does happen yeah. and and we're we're not we're going based on the condition of the oil. The first truck I ever put a bypass filter on, and it wasn't the OPS in the beginning. I put the Harvard filter on this truck the first time, the spec in 95. Then later on in the life of that truck, I did switch to the OPS towards the very end. That gotcha. truck went 1.2 million miles with four oil changes.
7: Wow. And that is quite a bit of saving, especially if, I, if I choose to go a little further. I'm not going to. I'm not gonna be able to do these at home. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna be able to do these myself. Right. Most likely you're gonna have to do it out on the road. So that is a big savings. Now, as far as that goes, when you're out on the road, pulling those samples, how how do guys go about doing that?
0: Uh, It's really easy on the OPS, especially because right next to the filter is a little uh, button. You stick the bottle under there and press the button and it fills up the bottle for you.
7: Gotcha. Oh, great. That was one of my first upgrades, is 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 going to be putting in the OPS. So
0: Yeah, it's big.
7: To me that was that was a no brainer, you know, because I like I said I was doing it every fifteen. Yeah,
0: which is really, really uh you're making the oil companies rich. All
7: right. Well, I appreciate hey. all the information, Kevin. I again thanks for the content and uh, I really appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right. Herschel's back. Herschel, what's up?
7: Hey, hey, Kevin, that,
2: uh, that guy that followed me that does the bucket work, I did not catch his name.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. I mean, I did, but I don't well, remember names once I hang up on somebody. Sometimes I don't remember them when I'm talking to people. but
2: Okay, well, if you're still listening, bucket guy, 740-253-1012, if you want to give me a call.
0: There you go. We'll make and some connections. I
2: found this contact. I found this kind of odd. I was considering in the winter because intermodal got crazy slow. I was considering jumping to Landstar. I was talking to a buddy that's part of the tribe, and uh, he said something I didn't know. (laughs) What's that? I've been driving these things for 30 – I've been driving trucks for 35 years. 25 of them has been kind of regional, multi-state, but not TR. right, right. Landstar land Landstar will not take me because i do not have one year otr in the last four years so they wouldn't take me
0: now wait, wait 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 a second 35, wait, oh,
2: 35 hold, years
0: hold on i want to be clear about something are you saying they would not take you because he said that or because you applied and they turned you down
2: it says it right on their website.
0: Don't take One it. Look, OTR look, in I, look, what
2: does,
0: on o- the website. What, what does OTR even mean? I don't know what that definition means. When I when I lived in Ohio, I did a lot of what you did, multi-state regional. I would have never in my wildest dreams thought somebody wouldn't hire me because I didn't have over-the-road experience. That's over-the-road
2: I know several guys at work. Or i go apply. That's what they said. I'd go it's apply. O-
0: I I uh, I, I, well, I, ha- I haven't
7: done that. I haven't
4: done yeah, that.
0: Yeah, I. Now things and, just picked up. So. And here's the other <laughs> thing to think about: just because companies have policies, don't mean they don't break them.
2: Uh, depends on the company. <laughs>
0: Or the person you're dealing with. Very, very, now there truly are corporations that have ironclad rules. They don't break them. I I found that especially this one, this isn't like you have a reckless on your driver's license or something. That's pretty cut and dried. I I want somebody to tell me what the definition of over the road is. What is their definition for hiring? Well, maybe I'll and see what they And yeah, so I'd love to know. hear their explanation if they won't hire you. Because let's think about this as well. It's not like you are only doing local work in Southern California or Phoenix. Or uh, you're in Ohio. You're traveling multi states. You're dealing with weather issues, winter. I, what about your operation would tell somebody you don't have enough experience? Come on.
2: Well, I agree that that's that's what some guys that actually work there told me. That no, I know they, they. I would. I would. The,
0: but, I, I,
2: but I their website. I would never amazing. stop there.
0: I, like, wow. I, I would never stop there. I would go apply and then I would have them explain it to me and I would try to convince them that they should hire me.
7: Well, I'll check it out. I'll give them a call. See what they say.
0: Yeah, I'd love to know.
7: Okay. All right, Bob. See
0: ya. All right. Thanks for the call. We're going to wrap this up today. I've got a lot I need to go work on. Got a lot of good stuff happening. So we will, uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the power hour. We've got a special guest on Wednesday from light balance. We may have some new, uh, new stuff to announce possibly on Wednesday. Uh, Can't tell you what's going to happen with spaces this week on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday because I'm still fighting with the technical issue. Um, I got a new phone that's going to help, but I got it over the weekend and I didn't feel like playing with it. So I'm going to go work on some technology issues right now and try to get ahead of this. So we'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.